Well, good morning. I am so grateful you're here with us today as we continue on our message series, Where is God? And today we're going to be dealing with a very tough and challenging subject of anxiety and depression. You know, something that so many of us wrestle with, and unfortunately too many of us wrestle with it in secret. You know, I'm glad that we are much better as a society to talk about it. Um, I still think we probably can do a better job because we need each other. And here today I have Joshua Walker. Joshua's been at Impact for um, four, maybe three, four years in that ballpark. He, he oversees our tech department and our creative arts. And Joshua, thank you for coming and your willingness because your story is powerful. I mean, you've seen the ugliness and messiness. You've seen God's grace and you've seen victory. So why don't yeah. you, well, tell us about your story, Joshua. So when I tell the story, I like to go back to when I was in high school. Um, I started my sophomore year of high school getting C's and D's in school. And it was decided that I should get, you know, evaluated. And I was diagnosed with ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, uh, where you have a hard time focusing and you get hyperactive when you can't focus. So um, I was put on meds, and my grades went from C's and D's to B's and A's. Uh, I graduated with a 3.4. So it was clear that that made a difference in, in my life. Um, and then if you fast forward a year, uh, my teachers had kind of been communicating with one another in hindsight, and they were like, something is really wrong with Josh. Like, he goes way up, and then he goes way down. And there's something that's, you know, a matter. But it was just kind of talk. And I remember the day so vividly. I went uh, into... I was really high. I was really low. I was having these mood swings. And I went into a teacher's classroom. And I don't know what she said to this day. I don't remember what she said. But I picked up, and this will date me a little bit, but I picked up a rotary dial telephone. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a rotary dial telephone and I threw it at the teacher. And she ducked out of the way, the phone shattered into a million pieces, and rather than like flip out on me or whatever, she just walked right out of the office, she walked right down to the principals and she said, we need to get him help. And at that point, I went under a mental health eval and found out that I was bipolar disorder one, which means you go way up and you go way down. You experience mania and you experience depression. And I got put on meds. And that really started the, okay, we're going to try to solve this. We're going to try to fix this. And the med process started, and that's kind of where it began. And then so you start this journey, which was just kind of just building up more and more from this, the, like the, the storms got bigger and bigger as you went to college. So what happened in college? So I was a sophomore in college, and I had experienced a lot of depression, uh, depression that was so strong that it actually causes physical pain. And I hope that many of you don't know what I'm talking about, but for those of you who do, um, you understand that when your mental health is so bad and you're so depressed, it literally can make you feel physically painful. Um, and I didn't want to feel that way anymore. So uh, I drove to a bridge um, 
I decided that I was going to end my life, that I wanted to commit suicide, and I, I thought that the most important part of this whole process in my depressive state was that I wanted to leave a suicide note that kind of encapsulated everything that I was feeling. I wanted my family and friends to know it wasn't their fault. I wanted, you know, the people in my life to realize that it was my mental health that walked me to this bridge, not anything anybody had done. So I drove, I went to school in Marietta College in Marietta, Ohio. So I drove from Marietta to Parkersburg, West Virginia, and I sat in the parking lot of a grocery store. And I spent, I don't know how long, but probably an hour writing out my suicide note. And I wrote in the margins and on the back, and it was like a big deal. So I put it, folded it up and I put it in my pocket, and I drove back to the bridge, and I realized that I really wasn't thinking clearly. I was going to jump off a bridge, and this note that I had written would be unreadable when it got wet. So I drove to Walmart, and I bought a box of Ziploc bags. I opened the bag, put the note inside, put the Ziploc bag in my pocket, and decided that now I was ready to go. So I climbed up the stairs, the stairs up to the bridge, and I got to one level before the top of the bridge, uh, because I knew when I got to the top level of the bridge, someone might call the police. Um, and I was, you know, definitely willing to do this. So I got up there and I decided in my mind, you better double check this suicide note to make sure that it says everything you want to say, because this is the last thing you will say to the world. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm not a man of few words, so I really wanted to make sure that it had everything in it. So I pulled out the plastic bag, unfolded the note, and was reading it, and a gust of wind blew it out of my hands. And I said, that was really important to me. If I feel this way tomorrow, I'll write another suicide note and I'll come back to this bridge. But I didn't go back to that bridge. Um, and I don't believe that that note was blown out of my hands by accident. Absolutely. I think God's always working, right? Even when you're running from him, he's still running towards you. And to see that happen. But that wasn't the only time, right? There was, there's more to the story. Yeah, so I, I ended up getting a job at Froggy Radio. Uh, while I was in college, and I would drive back and forth between Pittsburgh and uh, Marietta, um, which I was super manic because that's the only way you can do a full-time job in full-time college and work on the overnights and work during the day. Um, so I did that, and then uh, I toured with America's Next Great Star in Reality Check Game Show, um, and ultimately ended up working at the Hard Rock Roxino in Northfield Park. I was the host. I gave away the cars and the cash and did all that kind of fun stuff. And I used to always say my show could go on, or the show must go on, but eventually, again, I would reach a point where I was so depressed that my show couldn't go on. And again, I drove to a bridge uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. It was the Valley View Bridge. It's a 21-story bridge over a town, not over water. And um, I sat, put into the Applebee's at the end of the bridge, and I sat there, um, for several hours crying and, you know, just feeling really depressed. And I finally worked up the nerve to walk to the bridge, and I got on the bridge, and within, it, it was very quick, within moments, police and an ambulance showed up and made sure that I didn't jump off the bridge. And I thought, like, how in the heck did this all go down? 
there are cameras on that bridge for that purpose. And I was taken to the Cleveland Clinic, admitted to the hospital in the psych ward for 11 days until my family came and sucked me out of Cleveland, which wasn't a bad thing. <laughs> they brought me back to Pittsburgh, and for 31 days after those 11 days, I was in the hospital uh, here trying to get better. I had uh, 18 treatments of ECT, which is where they shock your brain. It's very archaic. Don't ever have it done. They told me it wouldn't affect my memory, and my memory is horrible as a result. Um, but that it continued the process of trying to get on the right meds to get more stable, and eventually we would find the right meds, but it's, it would be a process. And it's, it's just been the process of that, but you know, something you kind of mentioned, I, I, don't, I don't think we, we can overlook how we sometimes operate. Um, you know, you were running, you were working at Froggy, you were pretty successful, if I remember correctly, you met like every country star that's <laughs> out there. And you had this show that you started. I mean, he was on the road to be the be Simon Cowell. I mean, <laughs> forget Simon Cowell, walk out world, here comes Joshua Walker. I mean, you had a very, very successful show across the country, but it just wasn't there. I think sometimes we have this idea, well, this is what it looks like to have mental health struggles. And in, so often what we see is there's many of us who are hiding behind the lens or the walls of what the world would say is successful when in reality, internally, we're just dying. And I bet it's safe to assume there's some of you in that room, this room right now. You're, you're in that place. Like, you've made a very successful life, but inwardly, you're just dying. You're just falling apart, you know, and you're not alone and you're not by yourself. That's why when you came in, we gave those, those cards out, um, and we have some great people here. There's, after the service at Engage Impact, there's gonna be some people back there if you need someone to talk to, pray with. Um, online, they're dropping a line right now that you can, you can connect to, and to talk to somebody. If you need to talk to somebody more confidentially, you don't wanna talk to somebody in person, that's why we gave you that card. You can scan it, you can call one of those hotlines, or whatever it may be, but don't go it alone. You're not alone in this journey. But sometimes we hide behind. It's like, well, I think I'm, if I'm successful, then I'm good. But then inwardly, we're just not good. And you went through all this, and then 2015 was the year, wasn't it, Joshua? Yeah, so 2015 was the, bridge, uh, the Valley View Bridge. Yeah. And then I you know, came back, spent the time in the hospital, and I said, I have got to do something. This can't continue. Um, and I had, was raised Catholic. I never really had a relationship with God, but I decided in that hospital that finding Christ was the only solution to the problems that I was facing. So I came out of the hospital, and I started Googling churches, um, and I was a, you know, I am a DJ. I was in lighting and all of that stuff, so they had to have good lights. That was important. Um... And I went to a whole bunch of churches. I kind of church topped for a while. There's and this really cool church at Moon Township. I don't know if you ever heard well, of it. It's ironic you say that because I, I did all these churches and I was like, I don't feel like I belong in any of these places. And someone said, you know, there's a church one mile from your house. It's called Impact. And I said, where? And they were like, it's in the old airport ice arena. And I was like, oh, I thought that was an ice skating rink. And they're like, well, it used to be. So I came here on the very first Sunday that I came here. Um, no offense to the tech team at the time. 
The lights were a disaster. <laughs> so I said, God, I get it. Like, I am here for a reason with a purpose. Um, and two weeks later, me and my friend were up in the light rig, rewiring the lighting system. We installed a new light board and stuff like that. But and the lights look pretty good, Joshua. Thank good you. Time. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but on, you know, all these places I had been, all these churches that I had kind of hopped through kept asking me to get baptized. You know, get baptized, figure, you know, make this your home church, whatever. And I never felt like it was the time. I never really felt like it was right. And I didn't know why. Um, but it came to Impact. Impact became my home. And on March 31st, 2019, Pastor Bill and one of my best friends, Dave Weichel, uh, baptized me here at Impact, and I just felt like this is my home. That's awesome. And we're very happy that this is your home. And Thank to you. see God working in your life, you know, and how he's journeyed through you, you know, just to see who you were and what you, what you were dealing with in, the, in those years yeah. and what's going on now. I mean, the, it's never really over, you know, because we're still in this journey of life, but to see God working through you is, is amazing. So, like, how have you seen God work through your life? Well, I think the biggest thing for people to understand that are sitting here is, you know, one in four people have a diagnosable and treatable mental health condition. So, if you're sitting in this room, I want you to think about four people, and one of them is dealing with some form of mental health disorder, and if you look around and you don't see anybody, it's likely you. <laughs> but there is a stigma that exists. So I always ask, like, who is your one in four? You know what I mean? And I think at the end of the day, that, that stigma, you know, and I talked with someone after the first service, that stigma just prevents you from getting help. And that was what I was dealing with until I came to Impact and I realized that my identity was not... I'm bipolar and I have ADHD, but my identity was that I'm a child of Christ with a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and when you finally, when I finally rooted myself in that belief, it literally changed my life. Since then, I have not had a single suicide attempt. I've not had a single suicide ideation, and I have not been in a psych ward since then. That's awesome. You know, and just to encourage you guys from what Joshua experienced, you know, you're not alone. And for any of you guys who are here today and you're saying, that's me, Joshua. I'm, I'm walking the same walk you're, you walked. And I just want to tell you something. You're not alone. You're not less than or other than because of your mental sh struggles with anxiety or depression or whatever it may be. You're not an outcast. You are loved. You are valuable by the creator of everything that is. Don't you ever forget that. Don't let the world or your conditions define you. Let him define you. Yeah. And, and it isn't over, you know, once you develop a relationship with God. I mean, I dove into scripture and something that I, you know, I tell Dale often that I, re, that I go back to is David in Psalms wrote, you know, he doesn't promise that we won't find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, but what he does promise is that he'll be there with us. Absolutely. And, you know, I wear this ring on my finger, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I need that reminder. I'm still 
you know, I still take meds, and I think what's really important to understand is that's okay. If you have heart disease and you don't get treatment for that, people would think you're an idiot. But if you have a mental health disorder, you're an idiot if you really have a mental health disorder, a lot of people think, and I think that's, that's just a shame. It's yeah. just a shame. Um, so I think, you know, getting help is what you would do if you were diabetic. Getting help is what you do if you have a mental health disorder. Yep. And you also, as God changed your life, you got a pretty sweet tattoo on your wrist. Oh, I did, life. yeah. I was in New York City last year, and I got uh, this tattoo. Uh, it says <coughs> Believe, and it's another reminder. And if you look at the eye on Believe, it's a semicolon. And I'm sure many of you have heard about the semicolon project. But the, the idea behind that is that that is the place where an author could have put a period and ended the sentence but instead chose to use a semicolon and continue on with that story. And I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that an author used a semicolon. I, used that, I believe that God used a semicolon to continue on, and I think that's very evident in all of what I've dealt with. Absolutely. And he's continuing to write your story, and he's continuing to write your story as well, if you just allow him to, Yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Any, any last words of wisdom you want to share, Joshua? No, I'm, I'm grateful for impact, and I'm grateful I get to serve in full-time ministry now, and I uh, am the creative arts and tech director. And if you would have told me in 2015 that I'd be working at a church, <laughs> I would have been telling you, you need a mental health <laughs> diagnosis. But I get to be here, and I, you know, my relationship is just strengthening and strengthening. I still have hard times. I still have difficult times. But at the end of the day, when I find myself rooted in Christ and I go back to that, it, it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And I love what I do because I have the privilege to have a front row seat to see God working in people's lives, to see God working in your life, and just to continue on that. And so, Joshua, thank you so much. I know it's not easy to share your story, but I thank you for your willingness to be open, to be real, and to be authentic. Because I believe there's someone <clears throat> here this morning, whether in person or online, yeah. that are saying, that's my story. And you know, the more that we can be real with it, the more we allow God to work through it, the more we can experience his hope and his victory in our life. And so, Joshua, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> You know, like we've been saying, anxiety and depression are a very real thing. And I just want to say from the get-go, I'm not a licensed counselor and I'm not trying to pretend to be one. You know, that's not my role. That's why we <clears throat> provide you those resources on your way in. And we have some great people in the back who would love to help be there for you, talk to you, and point you in the right direction if you need to talk to somebody or take deeper steps. I just want to take a quick moment and look at this struggle and this battle through a biblical lens and see who is God in this journey and what he's all about. Because anxiety and depression, come on guys, let's be honest, it affects so many of us so significantly. And many of us are in that battle. You know, just like Joshua said, if we look around the room, you know, left to the right, front and back, we're probably seeing many people who are in this battle. 
at different levels of this stage. And, men, and this mental health battle is anxiety and depression. It affects us in so many ways. It affects us in the world, in our minds, with our thoughts and our attitudes and how we see things and the pattern of our thought process as we go through this world. And it also affects the world around us. It affects us physically. It affects our relationships and it affects our lifestyle. And so often we see these effects of it that just plays out in our life, whether it's a lack of authentic relationships we begin to avoid or we begin to escape people or circumstances because we don't know how to take it. We see the physical whole. We see ourselves losing attention and the ability to, to stay tuned in to different situations in our life. And we find ourselves struggling with really interpreting the circumstances all around us. And we see ourselves through the hurt, through the pain, through the anxiety that we face. And then we find ourselves just all the normal pleasures of life just kind of drifting away and drifting away and drifting away. And can I just tell you, if you see these patterns playing out in your life, you probably need to talk to somebody. Stop trying to do this on your own. We were never meant to go through life by ourselves. God created the church. God created us for relationships to be in community, and that also is true in our mental health struggles. You weren't created to go it alone, so stop trying to go it alone and find someone to talk to because there's people that would love to walk alongside you every step of the way. Because here's the danger in our relationship with God through this battle. <clears throat> See, what begins to happen is anxiety and depression and all this begins to build up. And we see this all play out in our life. And then it begins to affect the relationships around us. And before you know it, it begins to affect your relationship with God. And then the, when you, how you start to view God is more of an absentee father. It's like you know he's out there, but it's more like a long-distance relationship. He sent us the letter, his Bible, and it sounds great. It's kind of cool. It's kind of inspirational in some parts, but it just doesn't seem like it's that powerful. It doesn't seem like it really has what it takes to help me get through my life and what I'm dealing with in my journey. And then before you know it, we, we think, God, you're kind of sincere, but you're really powerless to deal with what I'm dealing with in my life today. And then we get into the cycle of thinking that he's just an over, um, that he's just an absentee father. He's just out there. And then before you know it, you begin to miss one of the most important things in the Bible, something that God highlights over and over and over again all throughout the pages of Scripture. We miss the reality of how he works because of how we begin to view everything around us. And we get so focused on our battle and what we're dealing with. And before you know it, you're living your life trying to control everything around you. Why? Because you don't want the major tragedy to happen. And so you're living your life constantly trying to control everything around you, all your circumstances that you face. And then before you know it, you perceive God as, hey, you're just this absentee father <clears throat> who's out there. You're kind of punitive. You're, you're just a perfectionist. You just try to tell me how to live my life. All the do's and don'ts that really make no difference or help me out in my world or my environment. You're just this big authority up there in the sky that's doing nothing for me. And then before you know it, you miss something very important in the pages of scriptures. Check out these two passages really in a, for a moment. 1 Peter 5, 6-7. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, 
cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 5 through 9. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will, you be, will be with you. Did you catch it? The most significant aspect of God that we tend to overlook and neglect in all of Scripture is the nearness of God. How he's always right there with you, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, the creator of everything that is, is by your side. Every step of the way. You know, we come to passages like this and we're looking for, God, I'm just looking for an answer to my struggles. Just give me the step-by-step step how to overcome it and how to deal with it and what I should do. I just want you to give me all the answers to my anxiety and depression just to make it all go away. And we search for principles and practices from God and we tend to miss the main thing that God offers is himself. That's what he offers. Yes, he does give some good advice and he does give direction of which way to go. But through our journey, we begin to see him as an absentee father. Then we begin to doubt him. And then we rush past his very presence in our lives. And our focus gets so much to be on, I just need to know the right things so that maybe if I know the right things, then I can live and do the right things. And we expect knowledge to accomplish only what a relationship can do. You see, that's what this is all about. It's not about how much more can you know, it's about who you know. Yeah, God does offer strategies. He does offer some great wisdom on how to overcome the things in our life, but don't overlook the most important thing he offers is, him, is, is, is himself, to be in his presence. And sometimes we need to stop doing and just being in him. And experience him. So can I ask you, where do you see God in relation to all the experiences in your life? Where do you see him? Are you just kind of viewing him as like an absentee father that's out there, this big wig in the sky who's like, hey, that's great. I, I, it's, you got some great inspiration in the Bible you gave to us, but doesn't really do not much for my circumstances. Or do you see him there with you in the dogfight? There with you in the battle that you're going through? Because I think our concept of being near, of God being near to us, it doesn't even capture the reality of his nearness. You see, oftentimes we read the Bible and say, cool, God is near us, and we equate it more to like a good friend. 
you know, a good friend who's, hey, let's go on a walk together and talk about it, and they try their best to empathize what's going on in your life, but you know they don't always get it. They may get some of it, but they do the best to say, yeah, Bill, that's cool. I'm sorry. I'll be praying for you. You know, I'll be there by your side. <clears throat> and that's kind of how we equate it. God's more of a friend walking with us, and, and, but the problem with that is it's just not the same. It, it still causes us to feel alone, like we're all by ourselves. It seems incomplete. It's not transformative because God is not near us in the fact that he's just walking beside us on a little path as he listens to our life. You see, God is actually in us, the Bible says, in our suffering. When we give our lives to Jesus, he is in us, and he's in us through our suffering as well. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you are experiencing that the God of everything that is is not experiencing right there with you. When you hurt, he hurts. When you cry, he cries. When you are broken, he is broken right along with you. He is so close to you that he's experiencing everything with you. He's that near to you. And like when we pray, it's like we think we're giving God the breaking news of our life. In fact, he knows it before we even speak it. Why? Because it's I get it. You see, God experiences our suffering just as we do. He knows it. And our prayers to him is not a newsflash. It's an opportunity for a connection. A connection with the creator who loves you, who's walking with you, who's experiencing life with you. That's what prayer is ultimately about. In fact, I think it kind of is highlighted in this passage in Romans 8. It's kind of lengthy, but kind of follow along with me. Romans 8, beginning in verse 23. The Bible says, Paul writes, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what we, they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Do you see this? I think the most important thing in this passage we often overlook, the most important thing in this passage that Paul is revealing to us is the intimacy of God. How intimate God the Creator is with all of us. He is so intimately intertwined with us. 
that he knows everything about you to the point that you don't even know the, have the words to express what's going on in your life, what's going on in your heart, the struggles that are within you, the war in your mind and your heart. You don't even have the words to express it. And he says, don't worry, I got you. You may not know what to say, but I got you covered. Because I know you that well. I'm in this dogfight with you. And I'm walking it with you. My friends, you are not alone. God is so with us that he is in us every step of the way. Our groans make sense to him because he's experiencing them with us. He's experienced those internal groans and heartbreaks and breakdowns with you. You're not alone. And he understands them so well because he knows how they developed. He knows the past. He knows your journey. He knows the expressions of your life right now and how they've been built up. And he knows the redemptive victory and hope that's in your future. And he walks with us. You know, in our struggles, I think sometimes we just feel like we're so alone. We feel like nobody understands what we're going through. Like we're one in a bazillion people and no one gets it. Well, guess what? What we see in the Bible in these passages is this. God gets you. He gets you. And you're not alone. You're not alone. And as Paul wrote in Romans 8, you know, God searches our hearts. He goes to the darkest of places in your soul to work through it all. And he intercedes for you when you don't even know what to say or what to do. When you walk towards him, he walks you through it. Doesn't mean it all goes away. But he walks you through it. And the Bible says that what Paul wrote, all those who love him, who run towards him, God works for your good. According to his will, he brings it all together. My friends, God has the ability, just like what he did for Joshua, to transform your life, to transform your heart, to transform your mind. He's always there. Whatever that bridge may be in your life, he's there with you. He's there with you, always working. And sometimes we, we, we come to this belief that, well, in order for God to transform my life, then that means something has to be eliminated. So if he's really transforming my life, then I shouldn't have to deal with the grief or I shouldn't deal with the problems or the anxiety or the struggles. It should just all go away. And that's not necessarily true. As long as we live in this broken world, we'll be dealing with brokenness in our life. God doesn't say, well, it's all going to go away. What he says is, I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you all the time. And I'm right by your side. You know, the presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. Don't believe the lie that because you're dealing with junk in your life that God's not there. God's there intimately with you. He's just waiting for you to reach out to him and let him walk you through it. You know, we read the Bible stories 
We see all these men and women, all these great people of the Bible, and we think, boy, look what God did for them and how amazing they are. Well, if I had their experience, yeah, I mean, I would get it. I mean, life would be good. I wouldn't have to deal with all this junk. We overlook the realities of what they had to go through, and we read stories in Hebrews chapter 11 of, of the Faith Hall of Fame, and we talked about a lot of these people a few weeks ago in our message series, and we come to this interlude within their stories of their journey in Hebrews 11, and we think, huh, it just seems so simple. God showed up and everything was great for them. Look what's written in Hebrews 11. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they promised. They, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And people who say such things show that they are, are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God was not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And we see this and we just think, boy, their lives were so easy. They had God with them every step of the way. Nothing was hard for them. And we read the pages so fast through scriptures that we overlook how ugly and messy all their lives were. They were broken, messed up people struggling through struggles that you deal with and I deal with today. And through the ugliness that was their life, God was working. They just kept running to him. And even those times when they're like, I'm too tired to run to you, God, God chased them down. And God's chasing you down too. He's chasing you down all the time. We just run to him and be in his presence because he's always working. It could be a simple thing for like Joshua who I believe God was working that day on the bridge when the wind blew the letter out of his hand. It could be in small ways or significant ways, but God's working. My friends, what evidence do you see in your life of God working? And if you're thinking, Bill, I don't see anything. Maybe you just need to slow down and just be and reflect because he's working if you just take the moment to look around you i believe you'll see him you'll see him and all that strength to, the, to give you the ability to walk through your struggles comes just being in his presence stop trying to be so successful in the world that you try to mask your problems just be in his presence. Be in his presence. Just be with him. My friends, as you be in him, I, I think you'll start to see the hope that he has for you, the victory that's possible, that all has to start with something. You are not defined by the struggles in your life. If you have if you struggle with anxiety or depression or bipolar or anything else like that, that is not what defines you. You're defined by the, by the creator of everything that is. And you need to know this. You are loved. You are valuable. You are cherished. You have a purpose in this life. Don't you ever forget it. He created you very specially. And so as you go through the storms of life, 
as you face all the waves that come crashing into our world, know that he is with you so intimately in your journey. And as those waves crash, may he be the anchor that sustains you no matter what you may face. Your problems aren't going to go away. But you have a God that loves you that will walk with you every step of the way. And I hope you know you have a church family here who loves you desperately as well. You are not alone. You're not alone. If you need to talk to somebody, please, at the end of service, make sure you come talk to somebody at Engage Impact. Or if you don't want to talk to somebody in person, you want to be more confidential right now, that's okay. We gave you that, that card, some great resources. But don't let this day go by without finding someone to come alongside you for the journey that you are walking through. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you because you are good. Lord, you are with us every step of the way. And I thank you for that. We are not alone. Father God, for those right now in this room or online who feel other than or less than because of the struggles in their life, who just feel so defeated, they don't see hope, who maybe up to this point have just seen you as an absentee father that's out there but not really doing anything for them. Lord, I pray right now that they just may stop and be in your presence. Father God, for those in this room or online right now who have been trying to mask all the struggles they're facing by having more and more of a successful life, by hiding behind the walls of, of American success, Lord, that, but are dying inwardly, I pray right now that you just tear down those walls that you may be experienced in their life. And Lord, there's some people in this room right now that have found their identity in everything else, in their struggles, in their hardships, in everything else. But maybe now is the time that they need to fully find their identity in you. That they need to give themselves over to you to fully experience you. And Lord, in this moment, I pray that you move and motivate them towards you to find who they are in you and your son and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And Lord, if that's them, just move them to come to talk to one of us and they can experience the hope that only you provide. Lord, we thank you and give you all the glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.